Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. Uh, my name is David, and I'm a pastoral apprentice on staff. Um, we just want to say welcome, welcome to our church online. Um, if you want to be a part of us, if you want to join us, uh, you can go to our website and uh, you can fill out some forms. We'd love to have you connected in community, um, and, and that's a place where we feel like uh, people can belong and um, where we go over things like the sermon and stuff, and we can talk about this stuff in, in real life. Um, have you ever driven to the wrong place out of like familiarity? Um, a few weeks ago, I was with my wife, and we were coming back from something, and I, I don't quite remember what we were coming back from, but we, we decided both that we were going to make this stop at this place, and um, as, as I was driving there, I accidentally drove home. And um, I remember like just before I pulled in, my wife is like, where are you going? I thought we were going this other place. And um, in that moment, I realized that I had just gone with what was familiar to me. I went home as like a default because that was just what my mind went to. I think our, our lives are a lot like that. We easily forget where we're supposed to be. We easily forget where we're supposed to be going. And I think um, in terms of sin, we all have this, this we were all born with this sinful nature. And... Um, you can ask any parent if, if kids had to be taught how to sin or if they just came out sinning. And, and they'll say that, that kids just naturally come out sinning. We all have this, this natural sin, this, this default that we all move towards out of muscle memory. Sin happens to be sort of like that default posture of our heart. And Peter's going to remind us today where we're actually supposed to be. And that's towards God's will. We've been talking a lot about suffering in 1 Peter. And I had this conversation um, this past week where, where someone was like I, don't, like, I don't think we really suffer much as Canadians. Um, and I think in terms of, of what Peter was speaking to um, in, in 1 Peter here, Man, people were dying for their faith. People were being persecuted that we don't really see these days. But... But instead, as I, as I continue to think about that, God still brings trials into our life. He still allows us to go through suffering. It might look a little different, but there's still trials that, that might come into our life. And if you remember back in, in the first chapter of 1 Peter, he says there's, like, there's a purpose to this stuff. And he says it's to test the genuineness of your heart. And I think as we go through suffering and trials, we need to remember and to fix our eyes on Jesus instead of moving towards the default, which is sin. We live in an environment that desperately needs Jesus. We live in a city that desperately needs Jesus. As Christians, we're called to be in this world, in our culture, but, but that doesn't mean we're, we're partaking in the sinful things of our world and the sinful things of our, of our culture. Instead, we're called to be a light. But sin has this constant draw in our hearts. And um, there's a, a pastor named Tim Keller out of, 
out of New York who said this, that the city is an idol factory. There's things all around us that capture our heart, and it's, it's easy for us to get distracted from what God has called us to. Sin is kind of like, like a tug-of-war competition. It's constantly pulling on you, and you have to fight back. It's also like a billboard where there's all these messages. When, you, when you're driving down the road and you see billboards, they're all trying to convey messages, and sin's kind of like that. It's constantly in your face trying to say, here's, here's something that's going to satisfy you. Here's something that's going to fulfill you. But it never does. Sin is at war with us, and, and there's sort of two, two options of your faith that I, that I want to look at, and I want to sort of illustrate with um, the analogy of a ship. So think about two ships. You have a cruise ship and you have a battleship. A cruise ship. Everything on a cruise ship is, is handed to you. Your every need is, is met with luxury. And everything on a cruise ship is meant to um, fulfill your needs and to serve you. But here's the thing about sin. It too just wants to serve you as many temptations and pleasures and powers as it can at the cost of whatever and whoever. But it can distract you from the mission that God's actually called you to be. Jesus doesn't call you to a cruise ship. Instead, now think about a battleship. He calls you to a battleship. This is where you go to war. This is where you're, you're armed and you're ready. Everything on that ship is preparing you for battle. We are at war with sin. We are at war with our flesh. But there's this amazing thing. Jesus is with us in the battle, and actually Jesus has already won the battle. But he's calling you in this time on earth to endure the battle, even though it might require a bit of suffering. It could require even a bit of sacrifice. It could require your possessions, the things that are distracting you, it could require your money. It could require your heart. And he could be calling things like pride and all this stuff out. But the only way we're going to win the battle is if you remember the gospel, which, which says that Jesus lived, died, he rose again, and he defeated in victory, which means he won the battle. Sin has been paid for in full. So the consequences of, of your sin have been paid in full, but, but that doesn't mean that sin still doesn't want your heart. It does. And it's going to fight for it. So Peter, in this passage, he's going to say that you need to actually fight against sin. And also remember what it did to you. So, so a question I have, are you willing to endure suffering in the Christian walk? over falling back into the slavery of sin. Because the gospel frees, but sin enslaves. So as we, as we open up God's word and look at what Peter has to say, um, grab your Bible if you have one. Um, we're going to be out of the CSB translation, which is an awesome translation. If you don't have a Bible, um, download one on your phone, on your apps, app store. And follow along with us as we read 1 Peter 4, 1 to 6. So it says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. 
For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For, the reason, for this is the reason the gospel was preached to you, so that those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. So this is a, there's a lot in this passage. Um, and, and what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through it verse by verse because um, the first verse actually sets us up for the rest of it. So verse 1 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with that same understanding. Now, understanding, that, understanding this is actually critical to understand the rest of Peter's message. And he says, bottom line, followers of Jesus should be ready to suffer as Christ suffered. I'm going to say that again. Followers of Jesus should be ready to suffer as Christ suffered. And Peter will tell us why in a minute. Jesus knew well what suffering in the flesh meant and felt like. Here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't come to earth and hop on a cruise ship and live life um, just being handed to him, eating too much, drinking too much, partying too much. Instead, he hops on on a battleship. He comes to war against sin. He comes to war against Satan. He comes to war against death. And he wins victoriously because he was laser focused to the cross. But it required suffering in this life. He came and he served, he loved, he healed, and he taught us so that we could ultimately be set free. Jesus came with a plan. Jesus didn't come with, with a plan A, and then if plan A didn't come work out, then, then he would go to plan B, plan C, plan D. No, he came with one plan, plan A. And he was so focused on it because the Father had given them this mission that he went fully towards that mission. Peter would have seen Jesus suffer. Peter would have seen Jesus endure suffering. But also Peter would have seen Jesus risen from the grave victoriously. So why do we need to be ready to suffer as Christ suffered, why do we need to arm this self? Like Peter tells us to arm ourselves with this sort of thinking. Well, the next verse says this, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to, remain the, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. So the bottom line for this is, is why, why do we need to, this understanding? It's for us to stop sinning and for us to live God's will. Live in light of of the gospel, of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus' sufferings actually led to his death, but it also led to his resurrection. So our suffering can help us to stop sinning and enter more fully into the life and the service that God has called us to. It actually brings us on mission. So choose suffering over sin. And I, and I think that actually our desires change when we become a Christian. 
I was at the beach a few weeks ago, and, and beside me was this other group, and, and I overheard their conversation. And, and it was interesting because they were, they were talking about all these parties they were going to, and they were just getting smashed and, and drunk. And, and then they also were talking about all these injuries they were getting and that they were waking up in places they'd, they'd never been or they didn't know where they were and all these things. And I remember as I was listening to that, like not desiring that at all. Like maybe one time I, I would have desired that before I knew Jesus, but, but when I heard that, I'm like, there's, there's no hope in that. There's no purpose in any of that. I think when we become Christians, Jesus is going to change our desires. My desires changed drastically when I understood the gospel, that Jesus lived, died, took my sin for me and paid for it in full on the cross. But it cost Jesus his life. It cost him something. Why would I want to do something? Why would I desire something that would cause Jesus to suffer? Desire the will of God because he's the only one that can actually fill that, that void in your life. Some of you have that, that hole. You know that feeling. That feeling that you're never satisfied. And you try and put things in there that will, that will try and fill it. Like maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your possessions, your house. It, it could be any a number of things. But you try and put it in there saying, this is going to satisfy me. And sin is going to tell you, temporarily, that this is going to satisfy you. This is going to fulfill you, but it never does. And what happens when that thing doesn't satisfy, you go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But Jesus is saying, actually, I can fill that void. I can, I'm the only answer to that hole in your, in your soul. All these things will never fulfill that. Only I can do that. No sin no temporary pleasure is going to ever fulfill that. So continuing on. For there's already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. Peter's saying that there's actually been enough sinning. Like whether, whether you became a Christian and you've had a really rough past and you've had a lot of sin or maybe you, you didn't sin a whole lot but you still sinned before your Christ, it's all enough. It was all enough to put Jesus on the cross. It was all enough for Jesus to come down and suffer. Remember what you came from. As you look at that list, remember the things that once captured your heart. And let's, let's be clear, there's no, there's no room for those things in the Christian life. But when you have the will of God, when you remember the gospel and you arm yourself with that sort of thinking, you actually start to see sin rightly. And here's what sin will do to you. Sin lies to you. We already talked about that billboard, where it's going to put flashy things in front of you. It's going to say, I can fulfill you. But it never does. It lies to you. Sin also binds you. It holds you captive. And some of you might be feeling like that right now. 
And maybe you're a Christian and, and maybe you're going through something and there's something dark in your soul and, and maybe it's like it's lust or maybe it's pride or maybe it's all these different things. And, and Satan and sin want to make sure that you never bring it to the light. So they're going to tell you that you're the only person going through that, which is a lie. Sin wants to keep you in the dark. Sin wants to distract you. It wants to keep you as far away from God as possible. It does not want you to ever be on mission. So it's going to distract you with as many things as it can. And the reality is sin will ultimately kill you. For the wages of sin is death. This is what, what Paul writes in Romans, the book of Romans in six, uh, chapter 6, 23. But in contrast, the gospel tells you the truth. Jesus is our standard of truth. He's perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. The gospel saves you. And it saves you not by your own merit, not by your striving or your achievement. The only way that the gospel saves you is if you believe it. Because it was already done for you. Jesus said it was done. It was finished. And the gospel sets you on mission. The gospel actually gives you a purpose, which is incredible. So Jesus said, I'm going to take all these things away. I'm going to take sin away. I'm going to, I'm going to defeat it. And then he's, he basically just says, now go tell the world. And he says, you actually have a purpose now to continue on this mission. Tell as many people as you can. Go and make disciples. You have a purpose. And the gospel ultimately frees you. It frees you to be who God has called you to be, which is beloved. Now, now think logically from, with me for a minute. Which one sounds better? Sin is going to be constantly fighting for your heart, which is why you need to always remember the gospel. That's why you need to put on Jesus' way of thinking which is laser-focused on the mission that God had called him to do when he came to earth. And no amount of suffering or distraction or anything set him off course. Suffering shouldn't set us off course either. I mean, we're going to have trials brought into our life. We're going to have suffering brought into our life. And it's an opportunity to show the world that we have a hope and we have a purpose. Sin is never the answer. It's going to tell you it is. It's not. Notice that Peter also says that people will slander you. In other words, they'll say that you're foolish. Which if you think about as an outsider looking in, think about before you knew Jesus, it sounds ridiculous. You're, you're basing your faith off a book. Off, and, and a lot of people, it requires suffering. Why would you follow something like that? And it's because you have hope. Your eternity is secured. And that void in our hearts has been fulfilled through Jesus. We have a hope. But the world doesn't understand it. I remember when I was gearing up to go to Bible school, I had a, a coworker that um, I worked for a metal manufacturing plant um, that my dad owned. And, and I had a coworker come up to me and he was like, so, so you're like, you're going to school to like read a, like this book. I'm like, yeah. So he's like, you're going to school to like, like study the Bible? I'm like, yeah. So you're like, how many years is that? I'm like, well, at that time it was two years and now I'm five years into it. But 
he couldn't, he couldn't fathom it. It was, it was so shocking to him um, that he, he was like, I, like, you're dedicating a good chunk of your life to, to learning about this person. But the world, like they, they struggle to understand it, which is why we need to be praying for them, which is why we need to be showing them that we have a hope. So when sin confronts you, remember where you came from and remember the hope that Jesus promised to you, which is life with him in eternity where there's no more suffering. The world doesn't get it, but they might, they might get it if they see you living out that hope. Moving on, they, they will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead. So that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. Here's what I want to pull out of this section. Everyone is going to give an account to Jesus. And, and everyone's going to stand before Jesus. And this is why we need to be praying for our city. This is why we need to be praying for the lost for our coworkers, for our family, for our friends, because everyone is going to stand before Jesus one day. And we want them to know the hope that we have in Jesus. Our lives might be the only Bible that people ever read, which is this incredible quote. I'm going to say it again. Our lives might, the o- o- might be the only Bible that people read. And when people see you suffering for a cause, when they see you choosing suffering over sin, they'll take notice. They'll ask questions. When they see you living a joyful, hope-filled life despite suffering and trials and pain that you might be going through, they'll have to ask about that kind of hope because it doesn't make sense unless you know Jesus. Choose the battleship over the cruise ship. Join the mission that God has called you to do wherever you're at. Um, this past week, I was getting my hair done at a barber, and um, he had led a person to Christ an hour before I got there, a guy who just came in and started asking some questions. And by the end of his haircut, uh, this guy was, was walking him through who Jesus was. Like Jesus, or yeah, Jesus can use you wherever you're at, whether you're a barber, whether you're working in retail or, or a doctor or wherever it might be that you're at. Jesus can use you wherever you're at to be a light to people, to show that, that suffering for Christ's sake is better than sinning. Here's what I think we need to remember today. Jesus suffered for you. He lived, he died, he rose again and freed you from all the consequences of sin. Sin's still gonna be battling you, but you've been freed from the consequences. So fight the battle against sin, against temptation. Seek to follow God's will in your life, even though it might bring suffering. And then pray for unsaved people because you're a light to them. And Jesus, I believe that Jesus wants to reach our city. And, and I, I hope that we would be praying for people around us so that more people would experience the freedom that we have 
knowing that Jesus did everything for us. It's been done. It's been accomplished. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to to come down to earth to be an example to us, to show us what it means to love one another, to show us what it means to be on mission and to reject sin. Lord, thank you that you suffered well and that that we can look to you as that example and and Lord, that that we pray that that when that comes into our lives, that, that people around us would see us suffering for you. And Lord, that that would be a light to show the hope that we have in the gospel. We pray that you'd save people in our city. You'd save people around us. We pray that you'd open our eyes to, to see the world as you see it. And Lord, help us to battle against sin, battle against those temptations. And Lord, that we would do that with the weapon of the gospel. Lord, that the gospel confronts people, but it also saves people. And we pray that we would live in that freedom and that hope today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us. Thank you.